one thing we need to, we always uh, always also said since we began this series is that uh, eternal life, the abundant life that God has given us is not futuristic, it is now. And uh, it's not in the future. Once you're plugged in now, you should begin to experience the power of God now. If you're experiencing Him, you need to find out why. Uh, when I plug in, they have several uh, devices in this room. When I plug in them to the, to the world plug, I expect to have power. And you always do. If, if the power is not flowing, then something must be wrong. Either there's no power from the source or the device is faulty. And as far as God is concerned, there's power from the source. So we have to check what the device, what the problem the device might have. Device being you and me. So um, it is life. That's what he says in his word. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. And so what's abundant life then? It is the life of God. It is his life that he shares with us through Christ Jesus. And this is very important to know. So when God gave his only son to us, Christ, he died for us. But it did not only, that means there's a difference between him giving his life for us, and this is also foundational, and giving his life to us. He gave you his life, he died, which means he died the death you were supposed to, to have died. But above that, he did not only take your place, he took your old life and gave you his life. So, on the one hand, he died for you. On the other hand, that on the one, on the one hand, he gave his life for you. That is in your place. On the other hand, he gave his life to you. So, meaning that he presented his, he gave you a gift of his own kind of life. Glory to God. He gave you the gift of his life, his own kind of life. I just got to pull up something here. Praise God. So the life he has given you is his own life, his own kind of life. God has not given us anything in short supply. He has not supplied anything in smaller proportions than is required. We're the ones who are short, usually short of faith in his love, not enough faith in his faithfulness, not enough faith in his plan, and not enough faith in his purpose for our lives. So when he gave, so let me say it again. If the life God has given you is his own life, then what's insufficient about his life? If I invite you to come live the kind of life I'm living, and you agree to start living it, but in the process you find out that you're still missing a lot of things, you don't have what you're supposed to have, and your life's not complete, it's either one of two things. It's either I am living an incomplete, insufficient life, and that's what I invited you to, 
or you haven't fully embraced that life yet. And in this case of walking with God, the latter is the case. Many people really fully don't understand the concept of Christ giving his life for them. He gave his life for you, meaning he died in your place. He died the death that you deserve. He gave his life to you, meaning that he gave, the, he gave you the gift of a certain type of life and authorized you to live like that. He gave you permission and authorization to live your life right now as though he's the one living it. He gave me this life to live as though he was the one living it. That is so profound that if we really understand the meaning of that, it sets us free from a lot of things, from everything. Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branch, branches. John 15, 5. I am the vine and you are the branches. He that abideth in me, I and I in him, the same bringeth forth fruit, much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. And look at this. If the relationship between and the connection between you and Christ Jesus is meant to be like the one between the tree and its branches, then you shouldn't lack anything. You shouldn't lack anything that the tree supplies because it supplies everything to all its branches. You are part of his branch, or one of his branches. I used a metaphor last week, like the aspen tree, the one tree that's actually, when you see several trees, several of them, and they, they look so much alike and that there can be thousands of them, sometimes hundreds of thousands in one location. And the interesting thing is that they are all one single organism with the main life source on the ground called the root system. So they are one tree, the, the root system is the same. It just has several shoots up at different points, but it's basically one organism. And Jesus says, I and the Father are one. And he gave us the life that's in them. So he teaches his disciples and every one of us that we have become joint heirs with him, that we are both seated with God at the right hand of God in heavenly places as a born again believer. So it means like aspen tree, you share the same root structure with Christ Jesus. You have the same father. I have two, I have three brothers, Kolade, Tunde, and, and, and Biodo. We are just as Adelaide, which is my last name, as everyone, as, as each other. So I am not more Adelaide than Kolade. I'm not more Adelaide than Biodo. We are, the, we have the same thing. We have the same inheritance. We, we share the same last name. Do you know that that's what Christ was trying to teach us that we have become joint heirs together in God? I mean, these trees, they are, there is something common to them. They share the same identical traits. And that's what you are meant to be in God through Christ. 
They are unique. They're all distinctly recognizable. They, they, by their difference from all other trees. And it means cutting down an aspen tree is not always enough to get rid of it. So just take one of them and cut it down. The root never dies even if you cut down one of them. They, they are quick to send up another shoot and to grow again because the root system cannot be destroyed. What does the Bible say about the righteous? Though he falls seven times, he will rise again. No matter how many times the righteous falls, because his root system is not destroyed, he, you will rise again and grow again as though you, you were never cut down. That's the life that you have. This, that's their life. This abundant life that God has given you makes you indestructible by the enemy, no matter how hard the enemy tries. It's very difficult, as uh, uh, botanists and plant scientists have said, to permanently extinguish an aspen aspen uh, root system due to the rapid rate in which it produces and this is this is so true of you and me in christ jesus the whole essence of studying the bible and reading the word of god is finding out who we are <laughs> it's finding out what God has given us and beginning to walk in it. Identification with Christ, what you see in one, uh, as, because we've been identified with Christ by God, what you see in one, you see in the other because they share the same root system. And every one of those trees has the same access to the source. You have the same access as me. I have the same access as you to God the same source, the same power source, the same individual, the, the, the same power source, the same heritage, the same inheritance, the same genetic competition and composition. None is less than the other in identity, in legitimacy, because we all belong to the same root system. The same life is flowing through us. In fact, the same life that, that was flowing in Jesus while he was here on earth flows through you right now as a believer in Christ. The Bible says the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives now inside of us. Lives inside of you. My goodness. So you have the same identical life with Christ. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of me. And it's not something that will happen to you in the future, in the sweet by and by. No, this abundant life is yours right now. Right now, at this moment. And what we often lack is the understanding of it from a revelatory point of view that is meant to throw gas in your tank and give you confidence to live the boundless life, to live free. And a good place to start is by living in the joy of the Lord, living in the joy of the Lord that's inside of you, that doesn't depend on all what circumstances or what's happening all around you. The joy that comes from knowing that you are loved and accepted by God. <laughs> which makes nothing else matter to you. 
which sets you free from anxiety, from worry, uh, because there's nothing coming that God cannot take care of. Even if it's happening that those, those, even if those things come and they happen, God will deliver you out of it. And just like the children, the three Hebrew boys said, even if so happens that he didn't deliver us or whatever happened, maybe I couldn't muster enough faith to come through the situation in God on a, whatever reason, you still get to be with the Lord even if you die and you're not on the surface of the earth anymore. You get to be in a swift and restful and wonderful place in a glorious presence. That makes you not to even be afraid of death and if you're not afraid of death, why should you have you afraid of anything else? Doesn't Paul say to live is to die is gain and to live is Christ's? And that even on this surface of the earth, when as we live here, you no, know, maybe some people will live 80 years, some people 90, some people 100, 100, and, and maybe some people more than that. That is still a very short time compared to eternity. When you compare the 90, 100 years that people spend here, it is nothing compared, comparable. It is nothing comparable to our time with God in eternity. It's just a, a speck, a little speck of, like a little speck of dust. So when we understand that we become unafraid of anything so what if the enemy tries to rob us off of the things that god has given up to us we 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 put up a fight but let's in any case whatever happens we are loved by god we're accepted by god and there is nothing that the enemy can do about that he cannot he may be able to touch the tree, but he can't touch the root system. <laughs> that is an amazing thing to live by, an amazing truth to live by every day of our lives. Because our real source of power is within. It's from something inside of you. The Bible says, the joy of the Lord shall be your strength. So many scriptures teaching us that the joy of the Lord is your strength. It, that's not a prophecy. That's not a prayer. It's a statement of fact for a believer in Christ. It's like saying, it's like talking about petrol, a petrol engine or a diesel engine, saying petrol shall be the fuel or diesel shall be the fuel for that engine. That's not a prayer. That's, that's a matter of design. So anytime you're enjoying the joy of the Lord, you are taking your, anytime you're not enjoying the, the joy of the Lord, it's because you're taking your focus away from who you are in Christ and allowing the circumstances of this world to dominate you. Your power source of joy is within. <laughs> that means that you already have what it takes to live in the joy of the Lord seven days a week, every day of your life. There's a difference between a solar power powered flashlight and a battery powered flashlight. The battery 
that powers the flash in the for the for the battery powered flashlight the battery that powers it is within so it doesn't need anything external in order to be powered up but the solar flashlight is powered by forces of nature you know by the environment it depends on if the weather is is bright uh, and if it's dark it cannot be empowered it cannot be charged and in order for it to continue to have power it, it, it's it's got to be in some kind of sunlight and it can it cannot survive darkness for 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 it, it cannot survive through darkness it has to have lights to uh, some kind of sunlight to be to power it up the child of god has an internal charging system which is the holy spirit and the word of god that dwells inside of you which means you are meant to ever constantly connect to the power source and irrespective of what's going on around you you can generate your own power from within <laughs> by the word of god and by the presence of the holy spirit within you and let me tell you this just knowing that god loves you irrespective of anything knowing that nothing can separate you from the love the bible says nothing shall separate us from the love of god is enough to give you joy knowing that nothing can separate you from the love of god and that's that meaning of that is not just that nothing can separate you from loving him but that nothing can separate him from loving you that's what the bible says that even when you are wrong he loves you and his love is not conditional on you being right or wrong that even when you make mistakes he still loves you understanding that alone is gas in your tank i mean when you understand that if his love were to be measured by or calibrated by a calibrated meter maybe there's a meter by which we check the love of god it won't drop for just one inch because you made a mistake no thank you jesus his love doesn't go up and down in a scale of meter based on your right and wrong is it's a it's consistent love that is not is not dwindling it's not rising it is consistent it's ever as consistent as it is ever going to be so even if you make a mistake it is basically right there and then at the same moment to help you out the bible says for even while we were yet sinners yet he commended his love towards us that he died for us even while we were yet sinners how much more now that we are here we're his children and we're joined here with Christ many times in my past life i used to think that god loved me proportional to my performance i felt i i would feel like i let him down so he must not be happy with me right now and then the devil took advantage of this a lot i i thought his love for me was in the green zone when i'm doing things right 
And if I was wrong, then his love for me is in the red zone. I could not separate God loving or not loving what I did from loving me and not loving me. I could not separate that. I thought that my the love God has for me is based on performance. Like I said, understanding that his love for you is consistent, that's what he said, is very liberating. That if, it's, if God's love were to be measured by and calibrated with a meter, it won't drop one inch just because you made a mistake. No, it's love doesn't go up and down on a scale or a meter because of your right and wrong. If God was, if God's love was dependent on that, then he would not die for us, for people who did not even love him at all. But the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son for every sinner in the world who is not even in love with him, who's not looking for him, who's not seeking for him, who is doing their own thing, he died for them. If that love can be extended to people like that, he died for the Roman soldier who put the nail through his hand on the cross. He, he forgave somebody while he was hanging on the cross and said, right there today, you shall be with me in paradise. And that's someone who has not, that the guy is not one of his disciples, did not read his word, did not follow him. That was the first encounter with Jesus. So how much more you and me? I, I, I used to think I could not separate my performance from how much God loved me or not. And until I came to realize it, that God loves me irrespective, that is not based on performance, until and not just that i heard it 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 became real to me i accepted it that's when i really began to enjoy my relationship with god i before then i had a performance-based relationship with god in other words god loved me to only to the degree of my performance but the bible says we love him because he first loved us. So he took the initiative, not us. It was, this love was his idea, not ours. It was his initiative. This knowledge and revelation doesn't give, if, if this knowledge uh, and revelation doesn't give you liberty in Christ, nothing else would. Because this understanding of what I'm explaining right now, many people say, oh yeah, it makes people to sin. It makes people to just do things and, and, and take God for granted. No, this knowledge and revelation doesn't give you liberty to sin, but it gives you boldness to overcome sin. Knowing that he loves you unconditionally, first of all, emboldens you and delivers you from the fear of mistakes and from the fear of sin. The fear of sin is one of the snares and traps of, 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 of the devil. That we are so afraid. Doesn't the Bible say, doesn't the Bible say, he whom the Son sets free is free indeed? 
He whom the Son has set free, if the Son sets you free, you're free indeed. It makes you feel you've already sinned. The, the fear of sin makes you feel or you've already sinned even when you're only being tempted. Oh, look at this. Adam and Eve were tempted while they had not yet fallen from the nature that God gave to them, from the state that God made them. They were tempted while they were in the right and perfect condition that God made them. That's when the enemy, the devil came to them and told them to eat the fruit that God said they should not eat. And if they would have told Satan off, they wouldn't have fallen. And it would have been recorded that they were tempted and they did not fall. Which was the record, your savior, my savior Christ, who is the last Adam, is. But the question is, in what state were they tempted? They were tempted, they were tempted in a, while they were in a perfect state, while they still were still exactly the way God made them. So the temptation was not a sign that they had been in the wrong. No. So every time you tempt, you're tempted by the enemy, that you're tried by the enemy, it does not mean that you're in the wrong. It does, it's not a symptom of a broken relationship with God. Temptation is not a symptom of a broken relationship with God. Adam and Eve were in the perfect state when the enemy came to tempt them. They were righteous people when they were tempted. The devil has defeated many people with the thought that just because you were tempted in the first place means that something is wrong with you. I mean, it's like saying, just because someone attempted to break into your house, that means you're so you're, you're so careless, you're wrong, and you you're just too carefree, and you deserve the loss of your property. Just because they attempted to break in, that means whether they succeeded or not in breaking in, just the attempt makes you a bad person. The knowledge that God loves you and that God is on your side unconditionally, that God is in your corner unconditionally, emboldens you and gives you the advantage in the midst of trials and temptation. It makes you to be able to look the enemy in the eye with confidence and say, get them behind me, Satan. Because oh, it's going to try to whisper to you, you see, you failed, you see. God, God can hear you now. You're, 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 you're too sinful for God to listen to. You are not, you didn't pray this morning. You didn't go to church last Sunday. You, it's just going to come up with a list of everything you've done wrong. Anytime that those thoughts are coming to you, that's not from God. That's from someone who does not want you to know who you are in Christ, from someone who wants to severe your relationship and take you far away from God as much as possible. I did not get a breakthrough. I did not, I was not able to grow in God. I was not able to walk with God. I was not even able to get rid of some sins in my life until I discovered that when I sin, 
I should not run from God. I should run to God. He loves me just like I never seen. What does the word people have heard people use the word justify as broken down and say just as if I'd never seen. Justified. Jesus himself told the parable of the of the of the prodigal son. That was not Peter who told that story. It wasn't told by Moses. It wasn't told by Elijah. It's told by Jesus. That's as authentic as the description of the of God's heart as you're ever going to get. That's as authentic as the as it gets when talking about the disposition of a heart of God towards you. This boy's floundered. This boy floundered everything and left, and then he's working somewhere as a slave taking care of pigs and he was eating pig food that's somebody whose father is so rich and had everything but when he realized he said to himself the bible says he came to himself <laughs> and he said it's better for me to go back home that even if i'm eating pig food in my father's house it's still better than eating pig food somewhere else so he decided to go back home. What did the father do? He threw a party. He embraced him. He saw him from afar and ordered his servants to go and clothe him with the best garment. I'm reiterating that Jesus himself told that story. So that's as authentic as it gets. That's the heart of God towards every one of us. So, that kind of understanding is very liberating. But if you're in a place where you don't even know what might God be thinking right now, you know, you don't know if he's mad or glad, yeah, he might just be upset with me, that already puts you in a weak position to rebuke the devil. Hebrews, I can give you the scripture, I can send it to you after uh the right reference but he says let us therefore come the book of hebrews let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that you might obtain mercy and grace for help in times of need come do you see the word there boldly so the person needing mercy and needing grace ought to come boldly it's not talking about, it's not even talking about people who are not in the process of restoring their relationship, who have everything okay, everything is good, you know, everything is perfect. Who needs mercy? Who needs grace? It's you, people like you and me, but he says, when you need grace and mercy, come boldly. Don't let anyone else give you a description of the kingdom of God or the heart of God other than what Jesus said. The problem with um, us usually as Christians is that we have several schools of thought. You know, everybody gives Bible their own the Bible their own meaning. And because there is no official curriculum to study the Bible, we just know the, the word of God in bits and pieces. And it is only God and the spirit of God that connects the dots for us. 
But when we begin to understand these things, you begin to get a better understanding of the freedom and the liberty that the life that God has given you in Christ offers. So bottom line, you're free from shame. You're free from guilt. Now this is it, because the, the person marking your script, the professor marking your script is not evaluating you based on how people are evaluating you. His curriculum belongs to him. He doesn't share that position with anybody else. So let everyone judge you as much as they like. If God is not, which he is not, is embracing you and calling you and loving on you, that's all that matters. That is all that matters. So God is abundant. And this abundant life we've been talking about in the past few weeks, it's because God is abundant in grace. His grace and mercy never run out. God is abundant in mercy. He's abundant in favor and blessings. He has, and guess what? He's giving you this abundant life to partake of. Whosoever, do you know whosoever is used, is repeated maybe close to 40 to 50 times in the New Testament. Because the gospel is a whosoever gospel. For the God so loved the world that he gives only begotten sin that whosoever believes in him. Doesn't that include you and me? This, this abundant life of God that is given us is for whosoever. Which means you qualify and I qualify. So many times the word whosoever is used in the New Testament. Which means that this is a whosoever gospel. The abundant life is first about freedom before it is about anything else. If you're not free from within, you cannot be free without. I read a book recently, the author was talking, the title of the book I think is Upside Down Freedom. It's basically talking about freedom as an inside out thing, not an outside in thing that all forms of freedom start from within. All forms of freedom start from within. Because it's, it, 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 the, I remember the author refers to, he, he uses the fir, uh, uh, phrase in, inside job, that freedom is an inside job. Because if you're free from within, then you cannot be bound without. So if something happens to want to steal your joy, make you depressed, discourage you, you know, make me feel, feel your life is worthless, you're not this, you're not good enough, you're not that, it's because you're agreeing with it. That's why it's affecting you. But God has set you free from all of that because his love for you is unconditional. If you put God in the position of that he wants to occupy in your life what anybody thinks will not matter to you anymore even what i think whatever your 
brother thinks, whatever your sister thinks, whatever our parents think, because God alone is sufficient. Realizing that you are free from the things that have held you bound through Christ is very liberating. The Bible says, who in the sun sets free is free indeed. I close with this metaphor that um, somebody, one guy that used to transport chicken from chickens from one part of the country to another, um, he was just saying it and it, it kind of touched me and ministered to me a lot that many times they'll tie the chickens on legs and the, many of them in the cages, they'll move them from maybe uh, one place to the other, be a 200 mile uh, a trip, you know, sometimes 300 miles to another location entirely. And then when they get to the new location, his job is to, as a truck driver, is to get uh, the cages down with a forklift and then open the chicken because they're transferring them to a place where they can be free range chicken so that they can now walk free and all of that and can just enjoy the freedom and the liberty of walking around and eating just nibbling on things all around the place he said one thing he said is every time he brings them out of the cage and puts them down and takes down and takes off the the ropes on the legs just begin to cut all the uh, ties they get off but they are still on the same spot they're not running they're not moving they're all just still just on that same spot where he puts them because they've been tied all along it's still in their mind that they still kind of think they are tied so they're sitting there even though he's taking the chains off he's taking the the shackles off they're still there on the same spot he said then that the part he enjoys the most is when he begins to slap the chickens and say walk free walk free walk free that's when they jump up suddenly and begin to run all of them begin to fly because suddenly they realize they can run and they can fly and sometimes it just teaches me that sometimes the reason god allows some situations is because he wants us to realize that we are no longer bound we have been set free and in the process of actualizing that freedom sometimes we tend to go through some circumstances that are very inconvenient you know and it looks like we're about to go down but the grace and mercy of god that is sufficient always carries us through it and we always come out victorious because god is always in our corner so this life is the abundant life of Christ is the life of Christ, the life that Christ himself lived on earth is what is given to us as a gift. And I pray that this becomes 
our reality as we begin to, as we continue to dwell in the Lord and to walk in his ways and to embrace his word and his plan and purpose for our lives. 